Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Need to Read. We're at episode 10. Let me repeat that, number 10. See, in my life, I tend to quit things way before I've reached the 10th time of doing things. So we're at a milestone, it's achievement. You're still here, I'm still here, and we've got a lot more podcasts ahead of us. So thank you for listening, as always, and thank you for sharing it with your friends and your family members and anyone else that you share it with, really. I appreciate that a lot. I switched up a little bit this week. So I've been reading I Am Pilgrim. It's about 800 pages. I haven't managed to get through it in a week, but in terms of damage control and me not being able to do a podcast and obviously people not knowing what to do with 20 minutes of their week or 10 minutes of their week, I didn't want anyone's sort of mental health or state of mind to suffer um, at the hands of me taking a one-week hiatus from the podcast. So I listened to Mike Tyson's book on Audible. I've been painting um, this week, so it's pretty easy for me to get through a 20-hour book um, talking about Mike Tyson's life. Now, if you don't know who Mike Tyson is, I'd be very, very surprised. Some of you may not. He was like the youngest heavyweight champion in boxing ever. And his life has been a bit of a roller coaster, uh, if I'm honest. 20 hours is quite a long time to sort of talk about your life and and have things going on that interesting enough to write about now joe um mike tyson sorry i was going to talk about joe exotic now mike tyson has recently come out uh in the press and said that he might have got one of his tigers from joe exotic which is crazy um he had two tigers at one stage i think he had four um, but he had lion cubs and they got a bit aggressive uh, when they started growing up. So he had to get rid of them. But he famously had a white tiger. You've probably seen in the hangover films when there's a tiger in the bathroom. And the tiger belongs to Mike Tyson. So if you don't know who he is for his boxing, you might know him from the hangover films. Um, and he is starting to do a little bit more acting, which he, he talks about in the book. Now his life, like I said, was a roller coaster, and And I mean... I listened to this and I was like, oh my God, my life is so easy. And it's really hard to try and like relate to any of the stuff that you're saying because from such a young age, his life was like, he was doomed from the start, like where he grew up in the sort of Bronx. I want to say the Bronx. I don't know. Somewhere outside of New York that wasn't probably a very nice place to live. Um, Almost like one of those forgotten about towns where the police don't really bother with it um the fear of sort of just getting overrun by the people there he doesn't go into too much of his early childhood um his mum she was like a prostitute slash pimp it was very hard to work out what his mum actually did his dad was a pimp i believe from what i remember and he didn't see much of his dad until very late on in his life when he was about ten years old, I'm just going to run through a couple of the stories that stood out um, in this book. It was quite, a, it was, it was a good book. It was entertaining, and it was entertaining to mainly because my life has not been hard at all in comparison to his. And it's interesting to see how some people live and and what they can achieve from 
coming from absolutely nothing and Mike Tyson yeah it's crazy so I'm going to get into it now um save me sort of waffling just pausing every time that I'm trying to think of things so when he was 10 years old he was criminal and like I don't mean like setting fire to bins or setting fire to dog shit and chucking it on people's like doorsteps he was a pretty serious criminal he'd rob people he'd break into people's houses he'd beat people up um he fell in with some gangs uh around where he lived when he was 10 years old there's a story that he tells where he was hanging out with these older guys and the older guys would make him the bait to get pedophiles to get them into a house where him and his friends would then beat them up and rob them that's probably the main crime that I think is pretty fair. I mean, if you're taking a little boy into a house, you deserve to get filled in and get your stuff taken off you. I think they probably did that because the paedophile's not going to go to the police and say, oh, well, I was just going to go and rape this little boy and then someone beat me up and took all my stuff. It was a really unfair scenario. So I think that's probably why they targeted them. Um, so pretty smart in that sense. But it wasn't just paedophiles that he was beating up. At the age of 10, he was like challenging fully grown men and fighting them in the streets. And everyone knew from an early age sort of where he's running that he was a tough guy. He left his like mother's home at the age of 15 to go and live with Cus Tomato. Cus Tomato? Cus Tomato? I don't, I don't know how to say his name. Any boxing fans are going to go mad. I know a couple of my friends are going to go mad at that. I've heard it so much over the last few days and I can't even pronounce it right. So let's just call him Cuz Tomato, even though that's not his name and he's dead, of course. Rest in peace. Respect to you, Cuz Tomato, wherever you are. Uh, he went to go live with him. He's a legendary boxing trainer, but he took it to the next level. He was hypnotizing him and the only thing in Mike Tyson's life at the time was the task. And the task was to become heavyweight champion of the world. Or whoever you put in front of him, he was going to knock him out. His boxing career was successful from the start. Like he was the youngest champion ever. So he became champion when he was 20 years old. Which is mad. So if you think about it, that's like a 20 year old beating Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder nowadays. I'm sure you know who they are. Even if you don't really know about boxing, you always know who the heavyweight champ is. So to carry that weight on your shoulders at 20 years old is absolutely berserk. I couldn't do anything at 20 years old. I'd never be able to handle that kind of like fame or like pressure or anything like that. So it's mad. It goes just to show how sort of tough he was in his head that he got to do that at 20 years old and he was just driven by the task he was hypnotized into seeing nothing other but the person in front of him and just knocking him out or taking him a few rounds and toying with him a bit obviously there were some other bits of his career which i'm not going to spend too much time on that stood out like when he bit the guy's ear so when i say the guy i mean evander holyfield he was big good at boxing shows my knowledge i just think they're all big and pretty good at punching people in the head um yeah so he bit him on the ear spat it out got disqualified from their fight in 1997 i say that because of course i can't remember it when i listened to it i've just googled it now um so it's not to sound too stupid of course 
Now, enough about his career. The most interesting part of his life is the fact that he was an addict and he'd done pretty much every drug under the sun. He smokes like powdered cocaine in cigarettes and he had done heroin. He'd done so many drugs. He still smokes a lot of weed now, but he is sober. He spent a lot of time like in rehab, um, kept going to like different rehab places. One of them in the book he describes it was kind of like a trailer park rehab he'd been to all the bougie sort of posh rehabs and he didn't get on with the people there apart from at one that was like pretty much a hotel that he liked staying at but he started running out of money because he gave a lot of money away he was a very very generous guy every time that he was winning fights he'd go back to his old neighborhood and he'd just hand out cash to people he gave so much money to like people he just didn't need to and it just goes to show like even though of course he was like a criminal he's so generous and he cares about those like members of his community and he understands that people i'm going to sound so white saying this but like people in the hood <laughs> that he'd grown up with and he'd like been robbing with from such young age and they'd supported him before he was famous and i think obviously because he was so young he got into the mindset that people only wanted to hang out with him because he was famous he had a massive ego but one of the most interesting things that he talks about is his complete and utter lack of self-esteem he had no sort of confidence in himself as a person he didn't understand why people loved him or why people liked him which is a real shame and it does go to show of course ego and self-esteem are completely separate there'll seem to be people with like massive egos and They'll seem to be the most sort of confident people in the world, but usually those are the ones with low self-esteem and sort of low self-worth. And that's probably one of the most like detrimental things that someone can have because they do not believe they're deserving of whatever's coming their way, whether it's good. If it's bad, they feel that they deserve it. Um, and it's a vicious cycle of sort of detrimental, sort of self-deprecating, not even humour, just self-deprecating thoughts and essentially hating yourself and, and he said he hated himself for a lot of his life and he wouldn't understand why anyone wanted to do anything for him he got mugged off quite a bit um not that he wasn't intelligent but there are people out there that are like crooks and snakes and don king who was his manager for a while was definitely one of them and he ended up trying to take him to court for 100 million this is when he was broke when he was broke i think he settled for about 20 million but the lawyer's fees ended up covering about 8 million of that and then 6 million went to his ex-wife and he ended up pretty much with nothing and he was in some sort of transitional period in between right well my fame's kind of diminishing people still like me for who i used to be but i'm not that person anymore um he when he was in prison, sorry, before I get carried away here. So he went to prison for rape. Now, it's a con controversial sort of topic for me to talk about because I don't know the evidence or the ins and outs and I can only give you sort of my conclusions from what I've got, from what he's written. Um, so not to upset anyone actually you know what? i don't care i've listened to the book and i've got my opinion on it and i think from the way that he talks about women and the way that he talks about people he's such a loving guy and i don't feel like from what i've read about him he would have it in him to be able to cause that much sort of pain and trauma on someone a lot of people tried to jump on 
the bandwagon with um, his sort of the rape case and when, when he got out of prison one of his ex-wives um, or ex-girlfriends told the police that he knew how to hit her so that no one could see a mark but like if you got punched by Mike Tyson I'm pretty sure your face would break like you've seen giants being knocked out clean with just one hook if Mike Tyson was going to hit you I'm sure you'd probably feel the pain and, and you'd be able to see that so I'm not calling anyone a liar here and I'm not going out on anything. I don't really want to get sucked into that because it's such an awkward thing for me to talk about because my opinion might differ completely from yours. And of course, that's okay. We don't all have to agree on the same things. But listen to the book and you might feel that you get to know him a bit better than you would from just what you've seen on the TV over the years of some guy that knocks people out in a ring and bites people's ears and then goes to jail for rape. There's a lot more to that story, as, as there always is, um, for the most part, with stories like that. When he was in prison, I think that's when he converted um, to Islam, so he's a Muslim now. Uh, not the best behaved Muslim, I'm sure, and he definitely hadn't been in the past, but that was the faith that he chose, and it, see, it seemed to be going quite well for him, and, and that's, that line of spirituality is the one that he chose and I've said it before, and, and I'm sure I'll say it again, I think spirituality in any form is beneficial for someone, whether that be religion or whether that be like a crystals or sort of meditation or just trying to reach a different sort of state of consciousness. And yeah, Religion, it's not a subject I want to get into. I don't know why I've gone down that path. But that's, that's something that's interesting about him. Not everyone would know that about Mike Tyson, considering... He smoked so much weed now. Weed's the only drug that he does anymore, just um, to let you know. He gave up all the cocaine. He's been sober for years. Uh, he just smokes a hell of a lot of weed, and he's actually got his own business um, selling weed, but in a different sort of capacity to what he used to do when he was younger, when he was selling drugs like cocaine, like crack rock. I don't know if that's something we really have here in England. It shows my... Do we? someone tell me um it shows my knowledge of those kind of drugs it's limited and i think that's probably a good thing um throughout the years and when he got out of prison he actually read loads in prison he like he likened himself to alexander the great um like a great sort of tyrant that went in and conquered the world and i think that's what he did he was reading a lot of sort of classics and, and philosophy read the Quran a lot and, and learned to interpret that from um, another guy that he was in prison with, his cellmate. But even in prison, it didn't stop him sort of running into like illegal activities. He he was hustling in prison, uh, selling stuff to people like bags, bags of crisps he would loan to someone in exchange for two bags when he first got, like, got one back. So he had a little business running in there. He's obviously an intelligent guy. It's not something that you'd expect uh, from Mike Tyson, but some of the stuff that he talked about in the book I was I was very surprised that he he had that line of thought. Now, he he was quite funny at some stages. There's a couple of things like funny stories from the book. Now, Carlton from the Fresh Prince, everyone everyone know that that guy. Uh, I think it's Alfonso Ribeiro, uh, Will Smith's cousin in the Fresh Prince. Now he hung out with him uh, at one stage in the nineties, 
and one of his friends actually ended up punching Carlton from the Fresh Prince. Now, if you look at him, you're thinking a friend of Mike Tyson's probably going to cause some serious damaged hair. Another funny story, it shows how like you can still be a kid even when you're heavyweight champion of the world. I think it was his same fight. Someone Ruddock uh, was the name. I can't, I can't remember the full name of the guy. Sorry, boxing fans. Um, he sat behind him on a flight to where they were going and the whole flight he was throwing grapes at this guy just to get into his head which i thought was pretty funny now let's talk about women and mike tyson obviously we're going to put the whole rape thing to the side just for one moment he was obsessed with women he said at one stage in his life he literally didn't care who he was having sex with he just wanted to have sex and that was a gratification thing an ego thing because the self-esteem was so bad he was searching for gratification in getting with women now i would say there's been times in my life where i've probably done similar i've probably searched for self-worth in women or in or in girls and i think there are a lot of people that do the same i think the whole like lad culture as much it's fucking bullshit i think that's exactly what it is it's people with low self-esteem searching for that by gratification of sleeping with multiple women. I don't agree with it anymore. Used to. I don't think... Unless someone's like... Unless it's just agreed and no one's like getting hurt by it. Do whatever. In fact, shag who you want. I don't care. I just don't feel that I need to get my gratification for my self-worth from women. Oh my god. It sounded like I was really trying to convince myself there. So... Uh, you can see how far along I am on that journey. When he was um, talking about like his type, he said breathing was the main thing, which of course is good because necrophilia is categorically not good. Um, so as long as they're breathing, that was okay for him. There could be street girls, celebrities. He went out with Naomi Campbell for a while. And when, just going back to the, the girls thing, because I, I just remembered when he was in prison and he had loads of girlfriends still outside of prison they were sending him loads of like nude photos and like raunchy photos and dirty letters and stuff and he would sell them to people in the prison um so he could make some money just so that he could not eat prison food and he could buy all the kind of food that he wanted but back to the women um in senora mike tyson's life there was a lot of them. Uh, you go through the book and he's always got a different girlfriend. You always got someone claiming that their kid is his and that he's the father to their child. Oh, I bet that's stressful. Is he getting people texting you or calling you all the time saying, oh, look, this kid is yours? I can't imagine the stress that that would like, add to your life. You'd probably be able to knock out a fair few people if people were sending you those kind of texts. You'd be on edge the whole time. So fair play to him for being such a killer if everyone's trying to claim that they're having his babies all the time. Other parts in Mike Tyson's life that I found quite interesting were at a stage, it's in the 2000s, so it's more recent um, than his history when he was fighting. One of his children died, um, a baby, and I think that was where it kicked off the change for him, where he decided that for the children that were remaining um, that hadn't passed away he was going to be the best father that he possibly could and that's when he cleaned up his act um, and and went from being some sort of like self-proclaimed megalomaniac 
which, by the way, is my word of the week, megalomaniac. Um, so it's a person that has an obsessive desire for power. Word of the week, there you go. He went from being that megalomaniac and he was just a crazy, aggressive guy. He's now he's a vegan, he's sober, only smokes weed, so obviously he's really um, chilled out. Now the final chapters, he rounds it all up like amazingly. And you can see how kind and compassionate he is now um, and he's aware of all the sort of bad things he's done, but he's mostly he's aware of himself in general. Um, he says by no sort of stretch of the imagination is he a finished article but he's trying really really hard and he doesn't have any sort of part in boxing at the moment because he doesn't want to sort of get back in to that sort of realm he, he doesn't want to live that part of his life he just wants to be sort of chilled out and spread love um to the world which is really nice and i think it's good to see um from a guy's perspective someone that had such a big ego and such low self-esteem and treated pretty much everyone around him like shit, apart from those that he loved. Obviously, the times where he's just giving out cash and and doing things to people, but he was also a bit of a dickhead quite a bit. And now, of course, he's so compassionate and loving, and he just spreads it out. I think that's inspiring because it doesn't matter what stage in your life you're at. If you listen to this podcast, I doubt doubt you've been as much of a dickhead as Mike Tyson has, and you can change to be a much nicer person or a much more compassionate person a more loving person you're not going to be too far down down the line to not be able to change so you can change at any time especially if you listen to the book and, and take some inspiration from mike tyson iron mike tyson now we're 20 minutes into this uh it's actually gone on longer than i expected i've probably waffled a bit the book is fantastic. It's really nice to um, mix it up sometimes and, and have a look at like celebrities' lifestyles and how they've lived and, and how they, the journey that they went on from being like... He was essentially a child star. And you all see how much sort of child actors like fuck up in America. You got Macaulay Culkin. He went from being like Richie Rich and the guy in Home Alone to some opioid addict in america and i think it's a lot of pressure that runs that there was a stage when justin bieber everyone thought he was going mad but when your childhood's taken away from you like that who knows how how to react we we haven't got a clue we haven't gone through that none of us if you're a child celebrity and you're listening to this please reach out but i highly doubt you are i'd like to hear about it um but yeah none of us we we don't know what it's like to live that life so we we can't really judge um, in that way. I'm pretty much done there. I've obviously got the stoic thought of the week for you. But just to round it up, it's a great book. It's really good to listen to. <laughs> I listen to it. Even though this podcast is about reading, sometimes you've got to mix it up. And of course, I'm, I'm still making my way through the massive I Am Pilgrim, which is pretty good so far. It hasn't completely gripped me, otherwise I probably would have finished it uh, within a week. But... Alas, I haven't done so. Now the stoic thought of the week, this one we have got for you. Anger is bad fuel. Now this stoic thought comes from Seneca. He says, There is no more stupefying thing than anger, nothing more bent on its own strength. If successful, none more arrogant. If foiled, none more insane. Since it's not driven back by weariness, even in defeat. When fortune removes its adversary, it turns its teeth on itself.
Now, Ryan Holiday explains this as follows. As the Sturks have said many times, getting angry almost never solves anything. Usually it makes things worse. We get upset, the other person gets upset, and now everyone is upset. And the problem is no closer to getting solved. Many successful people will try and tell you that anger is a powerful fuel in their lives. The desire to prove them all wrong or shove it in their faces has made many a millionaire. The anger at being called fat or stupid has created fine physical specimens and brilliant minds. The anger at being rejected has motivated many to carve their own path. But that's short-sighted. Such stories ignore the pollution produced as a side effect and the wear and tear it put on the engine. It ignores what happens when the initial anger runs out and how now more and more must be generated to keep the machine going until eventually the only source left is the anger at oneself. To quote Martin Luther King, hate is too great a burden to bear. That's what he warned his fellow civil rights leaders in 1967, even though they had every reason to respond to hate with hate. The same is true for anger. In fact, it's true for the most extreme emotions. They are toxic fuels and there's plenty of it out there in the world. No question. But never worth the costs that come along with it. So if I want to summarise that by me, Ed Cunningham, I'm going to tell you that anger is pretty bad. Now that finishes up this week's episode. I think it's the longest episode. I hadn't expected that. I've got some really exciting guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. I'm excited just to have a chat with another person gets quite lonely here on your own uh but yeah thank you very much for listening that is episode 10 follow us on instagram it's at a need to read with the two being a number two as opposed to the word two follow us on goodreads as well just search for me at a need to read or if you go on the link that is in my bio on instagram or facebook you can find it there also the email list sign up to the emails and you'll get one a week they're okay i'm practicing that's it from me so thank you very much for listening and take care take it easy stay relatively positive and we'll all be okay